Annyeong SAO, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unnees. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so we have a whole different group tonight, which is really exciting. You know, Megan and Amy are both taking the night off because I really, really wanted to talk about a topic that I really have been waiting to talk about for a long time. And so to do so, I had to bring in some of my favorite friends. So before we get into tonight's topic, why don't we all just take a minute to um, introduce ourselves? How about your name, where you're from? And we'll just start there because I think we've got a lot to cover tonight. <laughs> so why don't we take it over to Megan to start us off? Hi, I'm Megan. I'm from Fresno, California, and I'm what they call baby army, I guess. Hi, I'm Allison. I'm in Nebraska, and I am also baby slash pandemic army. I'm, I like the pandemic army. I think that makes a lot of sense. Hi, I'm Tanya. I'm just down the road from Allison in Kansas, and I'm also baby pandemic army. Okay, so kind of the premise of tonight is I, I really wanted to talk about BTS because they've become very important to me during the pandemic, and my obsession with BTS really rivals K-drama at this point. And I feel like there's a lot to unpack about BTS. And for those of you listening at home, it may be that you're, you know, enough about BTS, you know, like dynamite, you know, butter, you may have no idea what I'm talking about, or you may be like deep in the rabbit hole like we are. So we're going to just get into it tonight. And it's a little bit different than normal, but I think it's going to be really fun. And I hope that you all stick around and just kind of enjoy this night to celebrate BTS and fandom. So in 2010, a producer, Bang Si-hyuk, nicknamed Hitman, began recruiting South Korean teens for a group he called the Bulletproof Boy Scouts. Bang liked the concept of bulletproof as a way to communicate the kids' ability to withstand the pressures of the external world. He also wanted a band that was sincere and authentic, real boys who were just like sharing genuine personalities in addition to their talent. One big hit company document from that time says, what kind of hero is the youth of today looking for? Not someone who dogmatically preaches from above. Rather, it seems like they need a hero who can lend them a shoulder to lean on, even without speaking a word. So I'm not going to get into all of what happened next. Like I said before, if you're a BTS fan, you already kind of like know the drill. And if you're not, there's ample. And I mean, you could spend the next few decades trolling through the content that meticulously documents this group's rise from just another K-pop group to the international franchise that they've become. And like, I'll be honest, I'm not a hipster, but I'm not someone who just like sees something popular and loves it because it's popular. And I can't remember seeing like the BTS meals at McDonald's before becoming a part of ARMY. And I was just like, not really into it. I was kind of like, yeah, that's kind of weird that they have like a whole like McDonald's meal or whatever. But as as we get into it today, I think the real story of this podcast is how four seemingly normal grown up ladies with like authentic, full, rich, happy lives fell into this rabbit hole that is BTS and why we are still falling and how personally I don't think there actually is a rock bottom. <laughs> 
So I think that the best part of being ARMY is not just getting the permission to dance. It's having the permission to also be both thinky and thirsty about the group. So since starting the Afternoon of Delight podcast, it's been really amazing to connect with folks from all over the world. I get introduced daily to differing opinions, to different tastes, different preferences. And yet it's always nice to connect with K-drama fans because, you know, we're all there for the same love. And then once I got the BTS crazy eye, I quickly found the three of you. And it felt immediately like another safe space. Because truly, for whatever reason, no one in my real life wants to hear my play-by-play of like how Jin fishes for the entirety of In the Soup season one. But my army people kind of do. And it makes me feel just like a little less weird, or at least that I'm in mutual weirdness with all of you. So thank you very much. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. (laughs) So to kick it off, just so everyone can kind of get a bit of a vibe about about all of you. In 60 seconds or less, could you describe your army origin story? Megan, do you want to kick us off? Sure. I was on TikTok because I'm always on TikTok. (laughs) And uh, I saw them doing butter karaoke where J-Hope's literally like hitting Tay with a bag of popcorn. Um, and it's just like wild, like RM and JK are in these like crazy clown wigs and he shouts Oma. And I just thought that was hilarious. And I was like, okay, from watching K-drama, I need to know more. Then I watched Carpool Karaoke, which was like something, I just changed my life. Um, the crosswalk concert they did was like amazing. And then um, someone did a blind reaction on TikTok to the Jimmy Fallon performance of Butter. And I was like, no, not, I now I gotta know who they are. What are their names? What what's their favorite food? What's their favorite color? Now I have to know everything about them. Downhill, very quickly. <laughs> awesome. How about you, Tanya? Oh gosh. So for me, I, I don't know whether to thank uh, you, Leah, and Allison, and the Afternoon Del- Delight podcast, or whether to curse you because it was it was thanks to all of you. Uh, I listened to the podcast where you were uh, talking about the LA concerts last fall, um, and I was already listening to a lot of Korean music from different genres, a lot of solo artists and stuff like that. But I had never given BTS a chance because of that whole boy band stigma. Um, And so, uh, but after I heard you talk about them, I decided I was being way too close-minded and stuck up about it and and that they sounded amazing. And so I wanted to give them a try. So I started listening to some of their music. I loved the first couple of songs I heard, which included DNA and Black Swan. Oh my gosh. And then Leah recommended um, on the Patreon, try watching their their little episode of Carpool Karaoke. And so I watched it and I was just so captivated. They are so magnetic and beautiful and fun and gorgeous. And their voices are so amazing. And uh, so I just got really hooked by that, um, like a lot of people did. And then I watched the music video for Black Swan and basically he had a religious conversion, like a major religious experience. And so then it was like a trap door opened up in the floor. I fell into the BTS dungeon. I will never get out, but at least I'm stuck down here with friends, like they say about hell. <laughs> and then Allison, how about you? Uh, my journey can be summed up in 12 words. Oh, I love carpool karaoke. I will watch this episode with BTS. And honestly, that's the last coherent thought I had because it has been (laughs) (laughs) just spiral down from there. (laughs) So yeah. And yeah, Allison, I'm right there with you. So my, uh, my middle child got into them at a time when I was just still not paying attention to K-pop. I even bought her a Funko Pop RM for her birthday and the album B, but it was when I watched Carpool and I was like, 
okay, I need to know their names. And then obviously, as we've all said, once you get to that point, it's just game over. So if you if you know K-pop, you're going to know the term bias and bias wrecker. If you're new to K-pop, which, you know, I'm assuming some listeners are going to be, a bias is basically um, someone who kind of makes you crawl backwards up a wall <laughs> when you when you watch them. And then the bias wrecker is basically like your second favorite person, like the person who's really like coming between you and your relationship with your bias. Using this criteria, you know, Megan, who is your bias in BTS and who is your bias wrecker? Well, my first, like when I first started following, I would have said Namjoon like right away. But the more I watch and the more I like devour content, I like honestly, it's all of them depending on the day. But there's something about Namjoon's physical size that I just like can't. I just my brain doesn't. It won't work anymore. And I just it's he's like a tree that I want to climb. It's terrible. He's like a big redwood tree. It's terrible. I'm like embarrassed about it, but also it like I think it, like I just giggle all the time. My my record has always been Sugar or Yungi. I call him Yungles because like we're on you know I feel like he's my friend. I can call him Yungles. But um, because I like Sugar, I think the reason why I like Sugar so much is that the fact that he produces music, but also like his rapping, I can't. Like I was heavily into rap music in high school, and like his voice, there's something about his voice. Like he makes this humming sound that's just like, stop it. I I gotta just like sw- like skip the track. But you know, Hobie is so wholesome. Like he's just so fun. Like you just watch one Hobie like reel, and like your day's made. Um, and then you watch one reel of Tay and like, that's it. Your, your day's ruined. So my bias is Namjoon. My wreck is sugar, but you never know. And Jimin is universal. He's every day. Doesn't matter. Jimin forever. So, and I did, I don't know if, like, I don't know if we have time, but I have this theory about Namjoon and old ladies. If it's, a, yeah, if yeah, it's okay. Yeah, into your theory. I want your theory. Okay. So at the concert, so at the concert, there were these four women sitting, well, like, like, Many of the women in our section were our age or older, which was fantastic because then we're like, look, we're not out of place. This isn't weird. You know, because everyone in my life is like, you're so weird. Like, you're going to see BTS. And I'm like, it, it's not weird. I promise. There's more of us. But um, I have this theory about him and old ladies because, you know, here, like, they're playing the music video. JK comes out. Everyone's like, well, you know, the kids are yelling for JK. They're yelling for Tay. They're yelling for J-Hope, whatever. But Namjoon comes on and, like, these old ladies like me are just like on their feet. They're screaming. They're like running their hands through their hair. They're like fanning themselves. And I'm like, listen, ladies, I get it, right? Like, I get it. But when I really thought about it, I thought, well, yeah, because he, first of all, he's really smart, like super smart. Like anytime I read anything about it, they, the first thing you talk about is his IQ, right? He likes books. He likes plants. He likes walking in the forest or whatever like that's all old lady vibes right like for sure so i just think like he gives off dad vibes like don't get me wrong he has bde like no tomorrow but he gives off dad vibes and i think that's why old ladies like him because the the like reverse of that is jk and like 20 to like 25 year old me would have died for jk like i would have given two kidneys to see jk but, like, he's fuckboy vibes. Nobody wants that right now. You know, like, not my age anyway. Like, my age, we're, we're past that. So that's why I think, like, old ladies love Namjoon. Because he's like daddy. <laughs> and, and, like, women our age, listen, women our age still have that, like, patriarchy kink. Like, we like to pretend we don't. Daddy. 
That's what I think. It's daddy. I appreciate I appreciate that hot take. <laughs> All right, over to you, Tanya. Okay, so let's we're going back to carpool karaoke again because it happened right from the beginning. I was just I was just curious about them, right? I just wanted to know a little bit about them, and like you said, it's like, oh, what are their names? And then you're <laughs> it's all over. So I didn't think, you know, I didn't go into it looking for a bias, but oh man, I I locked eyes with. Uh, J-Hope when he was in the in the car in carpool karaoke a lot of people have commented about this because if uh, so I hope some of you will watch it because it's really fun to watch he's sitting in the middle row in the middle seat and he just it's like he radiates light and joy and he's just it's just incredible so I, I just looked at him and I was like I need to know everything about him right now uh so that was it it was all over I had hearts pouring out of my eyes and you know it was done but he, you know, this is so true of, of most K-pop stars. I think they have this kind of, I'm sure it's very thoughtfully cultivated, but they have this really crazy duality. Um, and so he can be like playful and silly and laughing. And, he, you know, he's famous for like laughing with his whole entire body and soul. And he'll like hurl himself onto the person next to him. And, you know, he's just, she shrieks when he laughs. It's hilarious. He's so cute. And, uh, but then when he's on stage, oh man, he is a pro and he is a total global superstar. And he's like just an amazing dancer. And there's nobody who looks or sounds like him when he raps, his voice is completely unique sounding and so and he's just such a serious performer so it's that, that duality is just nuts and then I think my bias wrecker is very similar in some ways um, which is Jimin and even though Jimin is universal he has that same kind of thing where he can be very very sweet and very kind of he exudes a lot of love they both do which is I think why I like both of them so much um, but then he also has this real incredible sensuality and he's extremely flirtatious with the camera and so on and so I think, you know, uh, gosh, I love all of them, you know, as, as all BTS fans do. And I, and I don't think any of them is better than the other, but I, I really tend to focus on them a lot for that. I think they they just exude this very loving kind of vibe um, that is, I find, very healing uh, and very positive. And then Allison, over to you. My bias is sugar, and it's always been sugar. Just again, from Carpool Karaoke, that was a life-changing moment for, for many people. Um, he's in the back row in the middle seat, and just his rap intro into Black Swan, and I was, I needed to know everything about him after I saw that. Um, in fact, my study craft room, where I do most things, is basically become a shrine to BTS at this point, specifically Suga, which isn't fine until an internet company needs to come in and do maintenance on your wi-fi and very awkwardly <laughs> looks around at all your bts stuff but you know whatever it's fine it brings me joy um he is so talented like you mentioned like his rap flows are amazing they're just there's something about his voice and his delivery that just takes my breath away and, um, like, the fact that he whispers his name every time he does is, sugar, sugar. <laughs> it's the best. Um, and I just noticed that, like, every time, like, a song would come on, it was always his part that I loved. And even before I started listening to BTS, I was listening to, like, soundtracks from K-dramas and a lot of K-indie and I would go back and I'd be like oh Suga produced this song that I've loved for months and I've been listening to um so just like that was really cool to see 
that like repeat. And then my biased wrecker is Tay. That man, that man. He's beautiful and he's talented and he's fun to watch and he's quirky. So yeah, he just, he comes for you. Um, and then Tiny, you were saying that you also had some repair workers who might know about your BTS obsession now. Do you want to share about that? Yeah, I have, like Allison, I have a shrine and it's downstairs uh, near the entrance to the utility room. And so every, you know, all the furnace repair folks know a lot about BTS and they've had an eyeful. I just have to say they've had an education, kind of like all the taxi drivers in Las Vegas. <laughs> they all had an education. <laughs> After permission to dance, they learned more about BTS than they ever needed to know. And how much we wanted them to know about them. <laughs> it was a real disease for our army. <laughs> we have to talk about them. They were all shocked. And then they were really shocked about how much we knew about them. <laughs> so that was fun too. <laughs> so yeah, and for me, I think that like if I got Harry Potter about it, which I've, you know, obviously I overthink all of these things. I yeah, felt like when the sure. sorting hat went on my head, I was like, not V, not V, not V. Just like Harry with Slytherin, because, you know, real talk, I could go to really dark places with Kim Taehyung. So I then dab dabbled with Namjoon um, <laughs> in my post carpool karaoke phase. But it was Suga and his red mullet and cardigan that came for me at Permission to Dance Los Angeles, where I was reduced to incoherent whale noises in a matter of minutes. <laughs> like, I just didn't think he was coming for me. And all of a sudden there was just like, all I could do was like make these like, high-pitched to low-pitched moans. <laughs> but my bias wrecker is Jin because, you know, my guy looks like worldwide handsome, but he is like the weirdest weirdo to ever weird. I mean, he talks on a lobster phone and like, it's not even a thing. He just has one. He made up a whole song about tuna. <laughs> um, you know, watch some clips of him and he'll just be like, I am a pig, I am a pig, oink, oink, <laughs> for like no reason. And so for me, yeah, I'm just going with the two Hyungs of the group and that's my final answer. All right. So we did just like some very mild thirsting to get us going. You know, we can take that way deeper and I think we should, but to go thinky for a little bit. So Tanya, can you define the concept of parasocial relationships? And then your take on how BTS and or their company cultivate this via content like live streams, chat rooms, reality TV programming, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, I um, have always been very curious about this because I'm, you know, I'm an older fan. I'm, I'm just a little over 50, not too much. And, uh, and so I've been involved in fandoms, especially when I was younger. And I was always wondering, like, why do I get so attached to these things and why are they so riveting? Um, so I'm a lay person, but um, in the past I've looked it up and I just looked it up recently. Uh, and a parasocial relationship is a one-way emotional connection that an audience member experiences with a performer or a character through mediated interactions in entertainment and nowadays on social media. So yeah, BTS and their company are regarded to be masters at cultivating this kind of emotional attachment from their fans. Uh, and there's even been some literature written about it, I think, from what I've seen. But uh, they put out content on pretty much a daily basis, and BTS is really famous for this. So you are constantly, they are constantly engaging you. And if you like them, you are always engaging with them every day. 
especially now that they're on Instagram. I mean, really, and there's seven of them posting. And so they've been doing this since they debuted um, almost nine years ago and even before. So they, I mean, they have built up, and this as a new fan, it's really overwhelming to, to try to wade back through all of this. They have this whole like collective narrative that's woven through all their content from the very beginning. It's very purposeful. And each member has this richly layered persona that they've developed and that, that keeps growing. I mean, it's it's evolving so quickly for each of them now that they're especially now that they're on social media individually. Um, and so the group has like it's a whole all aura and persona and it's really cultivated. But I mean, when you think about it, it's like the Truman Show. I mean, these guys have grown up um, in front of the camera. And so even though so much of it is cultivated, they have been filmed so much that of course they get caught in moments where they're tired, they're vulnerable, frustrated, or they're just goofing around. And so, you know, you do get little glimpses of what's probably them, you know, even though you're mostly consuming um, a cultivated persona and you have to be careful, of course, not to assume that you know know them or anything like that or know who they are. But, um, it, but it gives it this thread of genuineness and authenticity that makes it just real enough um, that you really get invested in their personas and in their story and in all their creative endeavors. You know, we were talking about all their individual projects and things like that. They're so, they have so much going on. And you even start to worry about their personal well-being. Like, are they okay? How are they doing? Do they need to be protected? You know, those kinds of things. Yeah, this, this fandom is really different in the way, at least for me, in the way that members express their affection and their concern for fans. Um, and even though they're expressing that to us in the aggregate, it feels very sincere. And so, you know, it's still a parasocial relationship, a one-way relationship, but it keeps getting reinforced by like all these little glimmers of recognition from them. You know, sometimes they'll respond to fans' messages on their, their um, they have a social media platform called Weverse. Uh, sometimes they'll even um, talk to fans on Instagram through the little question and answer thing. It's, it's really something else when they recognize people individually and it gets people very excited. So Allison, as a follow-up to the last question, you know, do you think that members' individual Instagram accounts play into this parasocial dynamic we've been talking about or not? Or do you think it kind of just depends on the person as, you know, there's seven of them and they all have different styles? I think it very much plays into that parasocial relationship and that dynamic I think just the simple fact that they each have their own account so like I can follow my bias and my bias tracker um, and develop like my own unique relationship with them in that way because this the fact that they're coming into my feed just makes it all the more personal Um, but also I looked at their account so I was like thinking about this question and I was looking at their accounts as a whole And it is a lot less personal than I had, like, imagined in my head. Like, their recent posts are very cultivated. It just shows, like, pictures of the shows, pictures of them on stage. But then you get these, like, tiny little glimpses of, like, Tay doing jazz, JK with his dogs, J-Hope being beautiful and creative. You... But it was way more cultivated than I had remembered in my mind when I was looking at them as a whole. And I found that really, really interesting. Um, just in my relationship with them and like, oh, I remember like, oh, I have this like image of getting to see them as like their own individual people. But then when I look at it, I'm like, no, this is just RM on stage. This isn't him. You know, 
you do get to see pieces of who he is, but it was, it was sort of an interesting moment for me. You're right. I actually can, I can see that really clearly as you're saying it, because there is something that makes me feel like it's more personalized too. I think it's their story sometimes too. Yeah. Because, you know, they'll pop into their stories and do some more personalization that you're not seeing on the main feed too. So that's interesting as well. I think it, like for me, someone who uses social media a lot, I think it's because stories disappear after 24 hours. Um, And, you know, Tay's like notorious for deleting all his stories. Like he'll put up a bunch of stories and then they're gone within like 20, 30 minutes. Like that's just like his MO. But for most of them, I feel like their stories are more of like in the moment, like, like our M posts, like uh, ducks or cats, you know, Yungi posted a cat one day or whatever. I mean, I think that's just like, you know, RM's like, hey, look, I got some Pokemon bread and these are the stickers I got. I'm so cool. But then you go on to like their actual feed and it's like, this is from Hybe. Like, this is what we looked like at the concert. And this was soundcheck. And so I feel like there is play. Like, I think the the one the one that has the best feed is uh, J-Hope. And, he, and I think it's because he knows how to cultivate a social media account in, in like the best way. I don't know if that's because his sister is like a blogger or an influencer or what, but like, you know, I feel like for them, we get their personalities and their stories and we get their business personality and like their feed all the time. The last like thought I have about their Instagram accounts is then like we as like ARMY take in that information and then ARMY is very creative and then they like do what they will with it. And that in itself is creating different relationships with like how we see them as individuals by like these fan edits and how those are created, which changes your relationship not only with BTS, but then with BTS ARMY, which I think is just fascinating in itself. And that's actually a great segue into the next question I had, which was to Megan. Um, you know, as our resident TikTok historian, how do you feel like fan-made content is helping to drive ARMY engagement? Uh, TikTok's a wild place for ARMY. It's, I call it the Wild West because it's really anything goes. But it, the, I, I put like their subreddits because that's kind of how I feel like it, how it is. But there's so many different BTS TikTok algorithms that you can get on. Um, and it's anywhere from like the 18 and over thirsty ladies that are posting like these, like get out, like content that's crazy to like, you know, uh, like one story for PTD that I just like loved. And of course every army was like crying was there was a young lady who was special needs and she like carries around, like, I don't know, one of the tannies, I don't know which one it was. And she's got like BTS all over her walls. And they had told her, Hey, you know, we can't go to BTS because we have to go to, I don't even remember somewhere for Easter. And then like two days before the concert, her mom surprised her with like BTS tickets and the joy, like she was so happy. She was so excited. She's kind of nonverbal. So like, the way she expressed her joy was just like, um, like it just was like so heartwarming. And then to go to the comments and see like every single army is like, oh my God, I'm so happy for her. Like, I wish I could go. I wish we could meet up. Like I'm going, find me, you know? So like the community part of it is like pretty amazing too. So, you know, what I, I think the thing with tick, like BTS TikTok is that, you know, I've made some really great friends there. I chat with people. I bought merchandise. I found, you know, new um, accounts to follow new people to follow. And for the most part, it's like pretty non-toxic. Everyone's like friends, um, because you're army. So like you're already friends, right? Like, Hey, this video is great. This edit's great. Um, 
I mean, I think it's great as far as like pushing their content out. I can't open the app. I open the app and somebody is immediately talking about whatever just happened. I don't know how they keep up. That's how I found out that like Yungi was dropping that song. That's how I found out like all these airports are talking about con like they're, t they're tweeting BTS. That's how I like all the things I find out. It's like I open it and that's like one of the first videos that comes up. Um, so there's like a lot of different sides and I appreciate that. You know, my favorite is the 18 and over um, army side of TikTok just because it's really fun. It's like super thirsty over there, which is great. Um, but there's also like, you know, people sharing their story, like BTS changed my life. BTS got me out of depression. I have a BTS tattoo because, um, you know, so-and-so talked about suicide or so-and-so talked about having a hard time or I like this quote. Um, so I think that like, you know, on the surface for me, especially new, like someone who's new to army, I was like, oh, this is just fun. Like these are fun lyrics, this is that. But as you go into it, you realize, no, they're talking about like really serious things and really serious subject matter. And the meanings of their songs have such a deeper meaning and they like really resonate with people. Um, and, you know, I think that the bottom line is BTS just makes people happy. Not only are they fun, but they sing beautiful and they sing beautifully but they talk about real things um and there are people on the platform that talk about how they really did get themselves pulled out of depression which i think is great and for me personally like you know when i think about bts i think about listening to them during the pandemic you know k drama that's how i got here was k drama and that really helped me escape during the pandemic you know i went to some dark places during the pandemic um especially here in california where they were like everything shut down <laughs> goodbye <laughs> you know and so you know watching K-dramas really help with that. But then listening to BTS, you know, for me, PTD, like Permission to Dance, the music video was such a huge thing for me in the pandemic because, I mean, it really was like, this is happy. Look at, look at how hopeful this is. They're like so hopeful about the future. I want to be that hopeful about the future. And the song is super fun and they're super cute and, you know, whatever. But I do think that bottom line, what really surprised me about BTS was the deeper meanings of the song um, and that I appreciate that they're writing these things for themselves, but they're, they're also writing them for people like me, like you, like anybody who struggles with things like poor, you know, mental health issues, poor body image, loneliness, you know, and I think what's great about TikTok and Instagram is, or any other, I, I'm not on Weverse, but I'm sure Weverse is the same. It's like this community where like, it's a safe space. Army is a safe space. And we saw that in Las Vegas. I know that like, anyone like people were like hey i like your shirt hey i like this i mean they're handing out photo cards they came up to um allison and were like we really want you to have this photo card of sugar and she's like what for me seriously like that's crazy but we just feel like we're all friends which is and i think that's fueled by the content because then you get in the comments and you comment and people comment back so it's like family i like it i like it here i'll stay all right. So we just had some happy, which was much needed. Um, but just to like flip it over for a second, you know, Allison, in your opinion, what do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions about K-pop? Uh, first and foremost, I just want to put out there that I am a BTS fan and I like don't listen to a lot of the other K-pop. I listen to a lot of K-indie, but I just from talking to people about the fact that I listen to BTS, some themes have come up. And I think that one of the most common is that K-pop all sounds the same. And it very much does not. Um, another one is that it's just boy bands with like very like candy, like not a lot of substance. Not true, as Megan just talked about. And then probably the most 
common one is that K-pop is just for teenage girls. And I think even before I went to see them in LA, there was like an Instagram reel that popped up and it was just pictures of ARMY. And it was like a man in his 90s holding the BTS chant so he could learn their names. And like women of all ages... Just the diversity of ARMY is pretty incredible. Like, they're fans of all ages, races, sexual orientations, and expressions. And you're just walking around with all of those people, and there's nothing but love for every single person there. Um, And I think we've talked about this before, but, like, Tay on nights three and four of the performance asked the women to cheer and then the men to cheer. And it was just so fun to see their delight on the faces of BTS when like the men were cheering so loudly. Like they all stood up and were just like shocked and amazed. It was really, really fun to see them being so happy about ARMY, um, which they are all the time, but also just to like see the diversity of the fans in the stadium. Yeah, I think that 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 is what stood out to me both at PTD in um, L.A. and then in Las Vegas. Like, for example, in Las Vegas, I was in line. um, You know, I had my daughter with me, who is a teenager. In front of me were um, a group of guys. Uh, To the back of me was a family where they were like had like a toddler and maybe like a six year old. Um, and then, you know, I saw some ladies when we got to our seats who, you know, they were likely like, you know, in their seventies, potentially, um, you know, we saw, you know, some, we just saw, so we just saw like life basically, like all people, like you said, all expressions. And I felt like that just, that was really, really affirming to feel like this was a big tent that so many people felt welcomed. And yes, later we'll talk about how sometimes there's, you know, aspects of um, the fandom or the group itself that can at times make people feel less than welcome and how that needs to be, you know, noticed and, you know, more work needs to be done. But I do think that, you know, that being said, there is, there is, I think, like a general goodwill drive, broadly speaking, that, um, yeah, you're part of this bigger family. I don't know any other group that has cultivated a fan base like this, like of like literally everybody is welcome here. You are loved. You are supported. You know, like you were saying, like standing in the lines for the L.A. show, which was like four hours of standing with people that you've never met and like making friends with like people from all over the country and from all walks of life. And just like I don't know of any other group that cultivates that. It's incredible. Yeah, um, Tanya and I at the pop-up in Las Vegas, while we were waiting for our Uber, we saw an elderly couple, like elderly couple, and they were in BTS shirts. They had come for the pop-up, um, and then they were getting their Uber to go home. And we were, she was like, that guy has a BTS shirt on. And I was like, oh my God, he really does. I wonder who his bias is. Like, <laughs> and he just got in the car and left, you know? So it's crazy because it really is true. Like, it's, it, it's almost, like, I feel like it's almost universal. You know, it's like when, you know how Lego is like, whatever to 99 like, i kind of feel like that's like bts on their like uh their age level <laughs> you know it's like to infinity <laughs> yeah and i feel like there's an aspect of sometimes like yeah that like you know oh it's a teen that likes them or you know like you like them and there's kind of like a smirking like haha or whatever or i didn't think you would be like that and i just always want to be like you just don't know how good <laughs> you know what I mean like I feel kind of sorry that you don't just get how awesome and special it is and yes of course it's not for everyone and that's fine 
However, I think that it's for more people than may think that, you know, I was like, maybe a lot of folks need to like get over themselves a little bit and there's probably something you're going to like. I, I mean, I was one of those people. I was one of those people that was like, whatever, clean boy band, whatever. Then I started watching K-drama and I was like, wait, 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 wait. I think there's more to the story than there is. Like I was one of those naysayers and now like, and you know, I go through like, am I embarrassed or am I not embarrassed? And it, most days I'm not embarrassed anymore. Like I, I talk about it later. Like I won't say too much, but yeah, like it's not. I think I think people are going to be surprised. I think when this comeback, people are going to be surprised. I think they're going to shock a lot of people. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, you know, am I weird for how much I like BTS? And I'm like, I guess so. But look, I'm with like 50,000 other folks that are just like me. So apparently that's okay. And I think it also just made me think, like, these are my goals, right? Like, I want to be the oldest person in the room sometimes. Like, you know, as I keep going in life, I'm like, why do I have to, like, tap out on, you know, joy and cuteness? I don't. So, you know, the grannies that were there really just, like, gave me permission to, like, you know, keep this going. Keep this party going. You know, Megan and Tanya, BTS, Permission to Dance, Las Vegas was your first um, experience seeing them live. So, um, you know, I'd like to just know a little bit, like, what was that experience like for you? Like your first time seeing the boys, Megan? It was so overwhelming, but in the best way. <laughs> um, also, like, going with you guys made it better. As I don't think I could have taken, like, regular friend, um, like my bestie, and had as much fun, because they wouldn't have got it. it. It really did take, like, going with you guys, and also, like, everyone saying, like, have you ever met these people? Like, I, I Zoom with them. Like, we've been on Zoom before. We text. Like, our group chat is, like, 2,000 infinity messages. I know these people. They could be serial killers. No, I promise. They're not. I've seen them. They're, it's fine. I promise. So, I mean, honestly, from, like, you guys are my lifer friends now. There's no, you guys, you can't go away. Like, can't get out of it. Um, but it was, I mean, <clears throat> I have, I like a lot of music. People in my real, like, life here, my real life, I call it, not my online life, um, know that I have a very like broad but particular taste in music um, because my like on Spotify my playlist will have Blink 182, Guns N' Roses, Gladys Knight and the Pips, George Clinton, the P-Funk All-Stars, uh, Ice Cube, Billie Eilish, Taylor Swift, and ta-da BTS. So people were really surprised that I wanted to go. They were like seriously BTS and I was like yeah. And I came home and called my best friend and I said look I've been going to a lot of concerts. So I'm going to concerts while I was like seven years old. Um, been to Lollapalooza's. I've been to Warp Tours. I've never had a fan experience like this before ever. Um, the fan experience for BTS is like unmatched. Um, the pop up at Area 15, it, I I can't describe. Like I don't have enough words to describe it. You walk into this room and there's like pictures of all the these behind the scenes pictures you've never seen because right we're getting content all the time just thrown in our faces online. And there's just all these pictures of them being themselves, dancing, being cute, playing games, running around. You turn a corner and there's just like eight by tens lining the walls and like plexi. You turn another corner. Now there's like screens where they're running parts of the soul concert. They're running parts of practice, running this, all these things. And then you turn one last corner and they have projected these men on this like nine foot wall. Um, and they're like, I mean, Namjoon's like nine feet tall in front of me. And it's like wild. And what was great was is people acted like they were like really there because these girls started screaming as if the men were in the building and Tanya and I were like, 
okay, we're we're here, right? Um, and also that at that same pop up, one of my favorite army interactions ever happened, where um, this woman older than me was trying to take a selfie with a picture of Jimin. Um, and I was like, oh, hey, you know, you want me to take that for you? And she's like, oh, yes, please. Like, I would love that. So she goes, to I go to take her picture and she stands next to it and she's kissing the plexi and like, oh, Jimmy, I love you. And I was like, Tanya and I were like, we thought we were crazy. This is like, okay, we're comfortable. Like we could just, we could just let go. We could just be ourselves. It was fantastic because she wasn't the only one. So that like, I mean, that fan experience, I, I've never been part of a fan experience like that. I've never gone to a concert where there was so much additional content. You couldn't walk anywhere in Vegas where there wasn't like a BTS drink, a BTS meal, a BTS special. Uh, we walked into the Luxor and their music video was playing in the lobby. They weren't even at the Luxor. They, they had nothing to do with the Luxor, but you know, here we are. Um, walking to the venue was amazing. Like we walked, um, and all army was walking and singing and carrying signs and helping each other out and making sure that like, is this the best lighting for a selfie? Would you like me to take your picture? I mean, it was that part. I just can't get over. Um, and then being at the concert and I don't know if, um, Tanya and Allison remember this, but we sat in front of a father and his daughter, like teenage daughter. And he was just kind of like, bad vibes like he was just like didn't you could tell he didn't want to be there you could tell he was like not a fan at all the daughter was trying to be like real nice you know like okay dad like whatever so they're playing music videos and of course like we act like it's the concert the music video comes on and like it's overwhelming they start playing the music video and army's on their feet right everyone's singing everyone's dancing everyone's yelling and he like starts telling her like do you yell this much like do you really yell like this in your bedroom when you're all alone and she was like, well, so I just turned around and I was like, I mean, I might, you don't know me. You don't know what I do in my bedroom. Like if I play this music video, I might yell like that. And then he was real quiet after that. So, I mean, I, don't, I was like, don't <laughs> kill the awesome. vibe, man. Like, don't, yeah, but like, don't kill the vibe, man. He was like killing the vibe. And she like, for the most, like, she was trying to be so good, but she was like, dad, come on. Like you're ruining this experience for sure. Um, and then finally the concert, like the build up to the concert was fantastic, but then the concert and, you know, I still can't believe I was there. I still hear songs and I'll tell my kids, I saw them do that live. They're like, wait, no mom, like you're so lame. Like I was there, like they played this song. I, I saw, I saw them dancing. It was awesome. Um, but I, I wish I could have gone another night because then I could have just fully immersed myself in it. I took way too many pictures, way too many videos. Like, I mean, I think it was like a hundred or something. It was like ridiculous. I did enjoy it though. I was enjoying myself at the same time. I did FaceTime my daughters um, when they were doing permission to dance at the end, which was such a fun experience just for them to see what was going on and, you know, me to show them like, Hey, look what's happening in the background. Um, but still like, I, I just still have moments where I'm like, I can't believe I was there. Uh, shout out to the cameraman though. Cause the cameraman at this concert uh, really, I mean, give them a raise. Um, because that's where you get like the abs and Tay's lollipop and you get like the streamer walk and, you know, his little, little Vogue walk that he did. Um, but yeah, I, you know, J-Hope's an amazing performer um, in like an unreal way. I was not prepared. I was not prepared for his like side dancing, you know, like he's not even on screen, but I don't know what's going on screen because he's over here just like getting down. 
Um, Tay just flirts with the camera. And, like, honestly, like, one of my biggest takeaways was, like, how can a man wear Ajuma glasses, a beret, and overalls and just still, still smoking hot? I don't understand. Like, I don't, I don't. I and don't it makes understand. him hotter. Right? <laughs> it's so stupid. But it's dumb. <laughs> it should not happen. It's so dumb. I hate it. But, like, yeah, it's, I, it's still, it's wild to me that, like, I was there. I still tell people it, it's, one of the, it's one of the craziest things I've ever done. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Do it again. Um, and then Allison, you know, you and I both went to PTD Los Angeles as our first show. So for you, how was um, PTD Las Vegas different than our time in Los Angeles? Permission to Dance in LA was very solo for me, but not alone because... I could look around and see, oh, that person is wearing a BTS shirt. That person has like Shuki on their backpack. So I know that they're safe to go talk to if I need to talk to somebody. Um, but I traveled to LA alone and I sat by myself in the LA show and it didn't take away from it at all. It was still an incredibly beautiful experience because they are incredible performers. Um, Vegas to me was all about the relationship with you guys and being able to talk to you after the show about like the minute details and the like dancing and what we each caught from the concert and like what it was like to see our favorite <laughs> BTS member like so close and in real life. Um, so yeah, that that's all I have to say about that. It, they were both in there. They're incredible performers. They're the best at what they do. So. so I met you, yeah, very briefly at the end of PTD Los Angeles because, you know, I thought we'd get to hang out a little bit before the show. It was just way too busy for that to even be a reality. So we saw each other for like what? Like maybe two minutes. Three minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was really fun. I was glad we got to meet really yeah, quickly. Yeah, I would. Um, but oh, like, sorry. I oh, would say that I would no, go, go to ahead. Vegas again in a heartbeat for a show. That was the easiest in and out of a stadium I have ever experienced in my life. So kudos to Vegas because they got their shit down. Yeah, I agree. So for me, LA was, um, I'd say it was like, you know, it was an overwhelming experience. Like I went in as a normal person who had a, you know, reasonable love for BTS. You know, I respected them. I was excited to see the show. Um, you know, I left that night uh, in December with like little kaleidoscopes, like where my pupils should be. <laughs> and like, you know, muttering about V with his paperclip on his tongue. So, you know, that was great. But I think I was just kind of like, overwhelmed and the lot like everything about SoFi was just kind of like big and chaotic that, you know, I left very happy. I went in like kind of an energetic mess. Whereas Vegas just felt like, yeah, the stadium was set up a billion times better. Um, you know, I talked about it in a podcast last week, but you know, getting to, uh, getting to BTS was a real, um, epic adventure for me. I almost didn't think it was going to work in the end. Uh, my daughter and I basically flew in at the 11th hour, landed, um, at the airport, 
uh, Allegiance close by. So we basically like Ubered to Mandalay Bay and then just like walked it. I didn't believe I was actually going to see them until I, I saw the stadium. And then I like almost started crying. because I was like, I made it. I made it. Also, yeah, seeing all of you made it a billion times better because, you know, the friendships are just so important. And then like we weren't far from the carts of destiny, which are like these carts that move around the stadium. Um, so like, you know, again, like they're just so good at getting up and close to their fans. So these carts kind of bring them closer to folks as they kind of like make their way around. So when the carts came, we had good seats. And honestly, like I waited, I was so stoked for this moment. And all I can remember is Taehyung's face because he was at the front of the first cart. And I don't know what happened. Like a light switch turned off in my brain. The breaker short circuited. And all I can see is like his profile in his lavender suit. And then it's just blackness. Same. 100% the same. I cannot remember them going by at all. My brain shut off. <laughs> I've got video of it, like my phone, but I, my brain, I was watching, I was like, I need to watch them with my eyes. I cannot watch them through my phone. And I'm glad I took video, even though it's kind of like wonky video, because whatever was happening between my eyes and my brain didn't connect. I was really jealous because our seats were close, but like not close enough really for the carts. Like you could see them, but not like up close. And I was like, they're going to be so close to the carts and I'm not going to be there. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So that's another thing is that make since I was a since I ran into, you know, a myriad of dramatic things, I uh, was unable to attend the first night I was going to go to both nights. So Megan went to the first, you know, there they were two weekends and Megan went to the Friday night of the second weekend and I was meant to be there with and meet Megan and it didn't happen. And then Megan had to leave. And so I came in and like held down the fort for the um, the second show. So Megan and I, we still need to connect over um a concert but like from what allison and tanya tell me like us two chaotic energies couldn't have like been at the same time with their introvertedness because they were overwhelmed by me on friday and i was like i'm so sorry you guys i'm such a loud person i would talk to anybody in bts gear and they were like why why are you doing that why do you keep talking to people it was hilarious <laughs> We are at our favorite part of every episode, which is our K-pop wreck of the week. And so, you know, I think we're going to throw out two tonight. So, Megan, do you want to give a, a shout it out? Like, my hype song the past two weeks has been um, Telepathy. Love it. Tanya and Allison, you both were in cahoots over what you thought um, the, uh, the other K-pop wreck of the week should be. Yeah, Black Swan, obviously. <laughs> It's amazing. It's the reason why I'm in love with Shiga. Like his solo is just chef's kiss perfection. The whole song is beautiful. Yeah, I love it too. And then yeah, watching them perform it live. So good. So good. <laughs> if you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone.
So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoon Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, glow up your skin with K-merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. So, Tanya, Kim Namjoon, or RM, was quoted in a 2017 interview saying that when he composes lyrics, he reads a lot and he studies social phenomena. He even shared that he was trying to work on combating some of his internalized misogyny by sharing lyrics with gender studies professors for feedback. So, you know, you've touched on this a little bit, but how do you find being a BTS stand healing in terms of a lifetime being exposed to toxic masculinity and the patriarchy? I was so blown away by the diversity of humanity in that stadium. And it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And I love that there's, so, that just shows that there's something special about them, that, that people are attracted to them for the healing, for the message, um, for the sense of, of belonging um and uh it was very powerful and there were people there from all over the world um you could hear lots of different languages i mean people traveled through across national borders to come and see them and uh there was a woman in front of us on the first night uh with her mother and her mom couldn't even stand during the show she was just listening she couldn't get up when people stood up to watch them so she just sat and listened so they came together like that and i don't know it's just really special so yeah i'm grateful to to be involved in it and I'm proud yeah I'm old enough now to not care what that's the great thing about being in your 50s like you know you you get all old and wrinkly but you don't care what anybody thinks about you anymore and I'm just like hell yeah I love BTS let me tell you all about them (laughs) I think I think that's one of the things I've been getting out of it is I feel younger and more energized you know I'm feeding off of the members energy and off the audience's energy and it's just a youthful feeling even though it's people of all ages and I did I forgot how much I missed feeling that way I kind of let it go and I had let music go out of my life and I just feel so much better now that it's back again <laughs> that feeling too I feel excited about something yeah no thank you for that that's awesome I appreciate it. and if you've got more to say on this I think that we'd love to hear it Oh gosh. So I, uh, it was my first concert too. And, um, oh, it was, you know, I was mentioning a few minutes ago, um, about how, you know, one of the best parts of this whole experience has been kind of feeling young again. And just like, you know, when you were young and music was everything and there was all that anticipation and, uh, it just meant so much. And it feels like that again, I never thought I'd tap back into that again. So I think that was one of the best parts of it. Um, that maybe the second best part, the first being what Megan said, which is friends for life, right? Just make the forming the friendships and, and getting to know all of you. And that, that was really the best part. So, yeah. So just like, you know, with like being young again, you know, we uh, fans for BTS concerts, they dress up, they wear costumes, they, they wear little like uh, little stuffed animals and characters and colors and everything that represents their favorite members or just the group in general or certain songs or funny moments from one of their you know, uh, behind the scenes videos or skits that they've done. And so it's really fun to go and see what everybody was, uh, was wearing and just to people watch. And it was, it was really a blast. Everybody was so into it. And so I had a lot of fun. We all did, I think, figuring out what we were going to wear. And it was just like 
being 13 again, like, what are you going to wear now? What are you going to wear? <laughs> and so I really enjoyed that. I went crazy on Etsy buying BTS enamel. And anyway, so that, that part was so fun. And yeah, Ma- Megan mentioned when we went to that photo exhibition and that, that sweet woman who was kissing Jimin's picture. And, you know, there was something like if, if I had heard that from someone else, I would have been like, oh, that's creepy. That's weird. But it was so, and this is just kind of the whole experience. It was so lovely because she was just cherishing him. You know what I mean? It was just like she she just was cherishing him and everything that he meant to her. And she was just exuding love, you know, which is so Jimin anyway. <laughs> I can see why she loves him so much. So it was just a really look, kind of a pure, sweet moment. And so, yeah, that whole fan experience was was such a big part of it. And I hadn't, yeah, I mean, I've been going to shows and following bands for 35 plus years and never experienced any fandom like this that was like positive and where people were kind and helpful and having this real shared experience. Um, So, yeah, really remarkable. Um, yeah, BTS just means so much to their fans. They're such a source of comfort. Um, as you all have been already been talking about, they're so deep and reflective with their music. I mean, they have fun songs too. Like the, you know, the they they really hit the zeitgeist of the pandemic moment with the fun songs like Butter and Permission to Dance. But when you go through their very rich back catalog, you get into a lot of pretty deep stuff and a lot of different musical genres. Um, that I think would really blow a lot of people away um, if they didn't, if they were only thinking of them as just this kind of bubblegum pop group, because that is so not them. Um, and and if, if people, a couple of people have said to me, well, you know, I don't know why people go to concerts. You know, it's just like you're paying all this money and it's, um, you know, you just see these little tiny figures on the stage that's far away from you. And then a big screen, why not just stay and watch their videos at home and save, save the trip, save the money? Well, of course, part of it is the friendships and the fan experience, but also with the members um, being there in person with them, there is an exchange of energy. And the guys actually talked about it on the stage. Several of them did. They were like, we have been longing to come back and perform in front of you since the pandemic started because we get so much energy from it. We get exhausted and we give you everything we have, but we're getting just as much back from you. And we hope that we're energizing you too. And it was very sincere. And honestly, you really feel it when you're there. There is an exchange of energy with them in person and um, the music too. I mean, they're there. It's just in your body, you know, it's so loud and resonating and their voices are so strong and pure and beautiful and you can really, really feel it. So it was a very emotional experience. Um, and I kind of wondered, you know, we were talking about um, uh, that lovely podcaster that we follow, Shanae Howard at Grown Ass Fandom. And, and like Leah had mentioned a few minutes ago, she, she was, she jokes, you know, like part of the whole parasocial relationship thing is that you sometimes can get a little too uh, caught up in this kind of um, one way thing with them where it's very personal and there's like kind of this longing and cherishing and stuff that you don't always get a lot back in return, but you do at the concerts. And I was a little worried that the, the concert would burst the bubble like you, cause she jokes like, you know, you realize you're just another bitch who loves this member, but uh, it didn't really, for me, it didn't burst the bubble I mean, it was good and grounding in a way, but I think I also, it kind of reinforced why I love them. That um, They sounded amazing. They are so beautiful. And everybody talks about how much more beautiful they are in person. And, you know, um, it's really quite remarkable. They just have so much charisma and magnetism. I mean, you can see why they're superstars. Uh, and, and as a fan who has a bias, like like we all do to some extent, uh, it was really fun for me. Um, you know, Megan was mentioning J-Hope and what a great performer he is. 
and so he's he's my bias. Uh, and and uh, like like Megan mentioned, he he doesn't always get uh, a lot of the limelight on the camera, but he's just like he's he gives so much to the fans. He I, the best one of the best things about it for me was being able to watch him working the stage because he just they have three stages basically two big ones and then a connector, and he's just working every inch of the stage, going around to every little segment of the audience, performing for them, making eye contact with them you know, interacting with them and just making sure that they're getting an amazing experience. And he's a world-class, you know, um, street dancer. And so he's just doing his freestyle dancing and exuding all this radiant energy. And so that was incredible too. Um, and then I think the, one of the, the last things that I remember was just leaving, leaving the stadium, 50,000 people exiting the stadium on this tight little bridge back to the strip in Las Vegas, shoulder to shoulder, no one's pushing, no one's jostling. Everybody's totally blissed out and just enjoying like the last few minutes of this big shared experience. So anyway, that, that is it in a nutshell. <laughs> they are. And I think it's just the fact that I know it's curated. I know that we just see like idealized views, but there is something authentic that's happening in like the transaction of our relationship with them. And it feel there. You just know when something is genuine, too, on, like, a gut deep level. Okay, I just want to say that, like, what, one in four, and that's probably an underrepresented number of women have been assaulted and, like, have experienced sexual violence. And so to find a space where you can be safe with men is pretty incredible, and that, like, breaking down the toxic masculinity walls, which BTS does, like Yoongi in a skirt is my favorite thing of all time. Um, and I think that goes a long way to creating space, safe space for people. Anyway, that's my two cents. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could talk about trauma and toxic masculinity for days on end, but I won't. Um, but I do think that there is sort of two sides to this. There's like the side that like Asian entertainment and like Korean entertainment cultivate this like spectrum of like, it's okay for men to cry. It's okay for, um, to express yourself in a lot of different ways and sort of use that spectrum of like gender expression to its fullest. And then there's the piece that you see in media, which is like, no women need to be, this particular way and it's very misogynistic and it's not super healthy and I think that piece comes down to just like this like innate it sounds really harsh but disrespect for women of like no you can't come to this level like you like and I I I'm not Asian American I can't speak to that um, but there are two pieces to that which I think is really interesting um, and so I just appreciate BTS for making this space of like we are going to show up Yoongi's going to wear a skirt he's going to look smoking hot in it and it is going to be a safe space for people to to be which is pretty incredible um, but then the question and if it's okay like I'll I'll read it um but the question was just talking about like how Jungian psychology influenced their lyrics over time and their music. And so they have um, Map of the Soul 7 and the Map of the Soul Persona. Um, and then obviously Carl Jung's Map of the Soul. Um, and so the question is, what thoughts do you have on the group as they explore and grapple with mental health, often in public ways? 
Um, and a couple things came to mind with this is like, would this have come about if Nam June wasn't the leader? Like he is so intelligent, he's so well read, he's so thoughtful, he's in his head all the time. Um, and it just makes me wonder, like, would we be having this discussion if Kim Namjoon wasn't the leader of BTS? Um, and another thing is that their processing of their personas, their public and private personas, feels very grounded. Um, and again, I think this is heavily because of our RM and Jin's influence. Um, I think that they keep BTS very, very grounded while allowing them to explore really big emotions in very healthy ways. Um, and then as a mental health professional, my heart just goes out to them having to grapple with these huge emotions in the public setting. They have almost no privacy at all. Everything is filmed, everything is recorded, everything is analyzed. I can't imagine trying to grapple with my identity my sexuality, anything on such a public platform. And then finally, just a couple, like uh, Sugar has a solo song called Shadow on Map of the Soul 7. And there's a part of Jungian psychology, which is like you grapple with your shadow self. And you can just hear that in his lyrics and it's just beautiful. Um, and I won't read them here. You should go look them up on your own. They're beautiful. And then also... Um, I think that the reason why ARMY loves them so much is because we see ourselves in them. Like we see those moments of goofiness. We see the introversion. We see them wrestling with anxiety and depression. And those are all things that ARMY feel as well. Um, so it gives us as ARMY a safe place to sort of tackle those big things. Um, and they even invite us to in their songs. There's a song called Magic Shop, which is absolutely incredible. And Magic Shop says, it's okay, you can come here, you can open this door, and you can process your feelings of being scared, your feelings of overwhelm, and your feelings of hopelessness, and this is a safe place to do it. And it's just incredible. Like, they're beautiful people. That's all I have to say. So, you know, Megan, you know, we've been talking about how we think BTS, you know, we, we acknowledge BTS as being thoughtful, intentional with their lyrics, even as, you know, we have non-fans dismiss them as, you know, nothing but a quote unquote boy band, like whatevs. So what is some sort of like UG question that you've been asked when people realize that you love BTS? And I just want to like make this point and get your thoughts on it is why is it that things that seem to bring women joy are often dismissed as less than? And obviously I have strong feelings about this having worked in written in romance for a long time. I believe that a lot of people in my life question it because they're a Korean K-pop band. To which I say, that's gross. Like another, like another gross question is, well, do you even know what they're saying? Does it matter? It doesn't matter to me. All they're telling me is I'm great and my day is going to get better by listening to it. I mean, I know that's not the truth, but like, that's the sentiment most of the time. So like, I just feel like I don't think it would be dismissed if, especially here in the States, if they were American, if it was NSYNC, if it was like even One Direction. Look, Olivia Wilde is in a, was in a relationship with Harry Styles. I think they broke up. I'm not sure. Nobody thought that was weird. I love Harry Styles. He's what? Uh, I, I looked it up. He's 28. Nobody thinks it's weird that me at 44 likes Harry Styles. 
But then he gets really off the wall that Mia 44 likes Jin, who's 30. Why is that weird? I don't think it should be weird. So I think that's a, like, to me, I feel like that's a big part of it. The other part of your question was why, you know, when it's something that brings women joy, is it often dismissed? And I think it's because we fangirl. Of course we do. Are they good to look at? Hell yeah. Like, is it fun? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think it's dismissed because I feel like in my own life and in the women that I talk to, you know, we're all, we're, we can never really be settled. Like we need to live an unsettled life. Like we have to work hard. We have to like, you know, for every inch of happiness, right? Like there's always something. And I feel like when you decide, hey, this makes me happy. I love this. This is, a, this is a point of joy. This is a point of pleasure. It gets twisted. You know, if you say, hey, like, BTS is a point of pleasure. Well, now you're dirty. doesn't have to be. It's just a point of pleasure. It's just a point of enjoyment. It's just, it's another space for women to live in. And I just think that, especially in our society, it's not something that people can handle. You know, I look at, especially on social media, there are women that enjoy their multi-level marketing. There are women that enjoy um, other fandoms, you know, like no one's mad at the people that are into Game of Thrones or Supernatural or, you know, whatever it is. But for some reason, this is weird. This is out of the ordinary. This is strange. And so, I mean, I don't know, to me, after being in Las Vegas, after meeting you guys, after, you know, um, connecting with other content creators on different platforms, it's not weird anymore. Um, and I wish people would just give it a little bit of a more open mind, you know, like, this is funny, like crazy. But when I was a, like a kid younger, my mom and my aunt, they still do read romance novels, but like the Fabio, like bodice rippers, romance novels. And they used to go to like convention after convention to like follow their writer friends around and to meet, they met Fabio one time. Nobody thought that was weird. So why is it weird that four old ladies got on a plane to go see BTS? Why is that weird? It shouldn't be. That's what I don't understand. So, you know, we can all agree that I think celebrating BTS can feel very feminist, um, but also acknowledge that this group isn't perfect and is not without um, critique. So what is one area that you'd like to see BTS do better in? And Megan, do you want to kick us off? Maybe it's not so much what I want BTS to do better, but maybe idol culture and like, their company allow them to do like i've talked to leah about this before like it being from the united states like we don't scandal's not a big deal to us right like okay fine like if it came out tomorrow nam june was married with three kids i'm not gonna be like forget it i don't like them anymore i'm never gonna listen to their music of course not but i just think it's di- like you know it's different because it's different cultures um it's a business there are things that they have to to do i just wish um, if they aren't living their most authentic life, that they could live their most authentic life. That's what I would want for them. Yeah. I think for me, like I have pain, pain when I watch them talking about not eating and diets and, you know, clocking in at weights that don't feel sustainable for the amount of physicality that their performances require. And I just want to be like, boys, you are fine. And you're going to be fine if you like eat a burger and put bacon on the burger. Like my love isn't going to go away if like, you know, you eat. (laughs) And I worry about, um, younger fans sometimes hearing that, um, that kind of, 
that kind of talk and pressure being normalized. And I mean, not just younger fans, like, you know, any fans. And, um, you know, just because I feel like fuck diet culture and toxic body standards, but they exist. And so it's hard when you see these like very introspective, thoughtful, um, you know, quite deep men that are doing so much to take away, uh, yeah, harm done by toxic masculinity and things. And then we see that like, we're still being hit by like the toxic fucked up, like body standards and diet culture. And, um, and so sometimes I wonder too, of like, what can BTS do better, but also like, what can we do better as fans? Right. Because sometimes it's like, this is a market. K-pop is a business. It's art and it's, you know, capitalism combined, which is like a totally wild ride. And it makes me wonder then like, so then we're fans, but we're also consumers and, you know, you can make choices to support, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the company is well aware that, you know, there's a lot of consumer choice out there. And so when they make things like, oh, we're going to create, um, you know, like when they did like the special, like, BTS sweatpants and BTS pajamas and things like that, that were like, you know, they only made a few of and they were big and hyped. You know, you also saw that like the sizes weren't, you know, very universal sizes for a lot of folks. Um, even if it was like extra large, it was like extra large Korean standards, which would probably be like a medium in the U S and you know, that doesn't like hit the base of a lot of fans. And so, um, yeah, just recognizing that, that the, like what we said earlier, that the fandom is a big tent. There's lots of different folks in it. There's lots of different, um, you know, sexualities, gender expressions, body types, and to make sure that that, yeah. So I don't know. I'm just trying to say that like, yeah, I feel like we have a responsibility to kind of ask that and to say like, we would like to see it done better. And some of that I think then can be like helpful and healing too. Cause we're not trying to hold them to these standards that are just completely unrealistic. And I think damaging in the long run. Yeah, I agree. Cause like, you know, that V live after where like it was um, J-Hope and Jimin and um, Tay, V, Tay, and he was eating the noodles, you know, the one we always laugh about because he's like cracking up eating his noodles. But when JK comes in, they ask him if he's eaten. He hasn't eaten yet. And they make a big deal. And he worked out. Yeah. So he did this concert, this two and a half hour concert. And then he went and worked out. Like he went boxing. And then he's there sitting with them as they have all just eaten all this food. There's still food there. and Or maybe they took it away. And the other members are genuinely concerned that he still hasn't eaten and he still is like yeah i'll eat later i'll eat later he probably didn't eat later because if you look at any of the pictures the man has like a 27 inch waist he has to he has to so does jimin so like i agree with you leah like as fans i think we need to do a better job of being like you can cover your abs that's fine just go eat a sandwich please like have some ice cream i promise it'll be fine like you know i mean yes it's fan service and we love it but at the same time like i agree with you like why aren't you having dinner? Why aren't you eating? You know, and like, maybe it's the mom and me, but like, it's not okay. Like, I want them to be able to like, not feel like they have to put that out. There yeah, like that. It, it frankly, I makes it makes it less enjoyable for me to be like, Oh, look at like, yeah, Jungkook showing his abs when I'm like, what are these abs costing you? <laughs> like, just yeah, live your life. Yeah. And I'm still gonna love you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, because it, I mean, it's great. But if you're skipping meals for it, it's not, we're fine. We'll live. It'll, it'll be okay. I promise. Allison, how about you? I would just say yes to all of the above. Like, I, I don't know that I have anything to add to that. I do think that the, like, K industry, um, entertainment industry, and like you said, the idol culture is very scary. And, like, they've been in it since they were very, very young. And not to say that they get a pass for some of that, but, like, to be seeped in that culture and to hear those messages over and over again about what you need to eat and, like, I yeah, it just it breaks my heart that that's what they grew up in. Any other thoughts on the comebacks or hope for the comeback that's coming in June? Just give me all the rap line. I love the rap line so much. <laughs> like just just give me Sugar RM and J Hope. <laughs> I love the vocal line. I really am hanging for the um I really want the um Jungkook and uh, Taehyung subunit. I think it is long past time. So to wrap it up, as we close this very long um, podcast out, what is just like a thought on BTS you'd like to get off your chest before we say goodnight? So in regards to the comeback, a creator on TikTok had mentioned, like, can we all agree that it's okay if they don't have a lot of English songs on the on the comeback or on the new album? And it, like really hit me because I hadn't really thought of it that way and hadn't really thought about like a lot of the new army that are here for songs like Butter and Dynamite and Permission to Dance. But to me, I enjoy their music so much um, that it doesn't matter to me. And I hope that it doesn't matter to a lot of army, especially new army. Um, what I like, how I feel is like, it doesn't need to have any English at all as long as Sugar is whispering on at least three songs. If we get the whisper in at least three songs, perfect. Come back, great comeback guys. I'm about it. <laughs> I would just say that this fandom and all of the content can be incredibly overwhelming and it is okay to just enjoy one piece of that and to just like watch these beautiful people do what they do better than anybody else in the world. Thank you for being my group chat friends so that I can wig out on BTS on the daily because no one else in my life does it. So thank you. You know, I started getting obsessed with K-dramas and ended up creating a whole K-drama podcast. So now I'm equally as obsessed with BTS. So maybe we need to make these conversations more of a regular thing. Um, you know, we have been calling ourselves after Nuna Army and we know there are plenty of us. There are plenty of listeners I agree. who are constantly engaging on like this like subunit of ARMY content in addition to the K-drama. So, you know, and maybe after today... Uh, there could be some more BTS curious listeners who are going to go out and try them out. Yes. And soon there's going to be more of us. All right. Well, this was a real pleasure. Thank you all for coming along and indulging me on this night of BTSness. Um, it was really special. And so uh, let's close it out like we always do here on Afternoon Delight with a little Anyang. Anyang. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong!